1: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 9th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. On January 9, 1861, Mississippi became the second state to to secede from the Union. Today, in 1788, Connecticut became the fifth state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Today, in 1913, Richard Milhouse Nixon, the 37th President of the United States, was born in Yorba Linda, California. Today in 1945, during World War II, American forces began landing on the shores of the Philippines as the Battle of Luzon got underway. That resulted in an Allied victory over the Imperial Japanese forces. Today in 1951, the United Nations headquarters in New York City officially opened. Today, in 1958, President Dwight D. Eisenhower, in his State of the Union address to Congress, he warned of the threat of communist imperialism. Perhaps he saw the future. China, in particular. Tens of thousands of young people, 18 to 24, but there were people older and younger than that there, But tens of thousands of people gathered in Atlanta, Georgia, over the weekend for what's called Passion. It's an outreach to kids, young adults, by a pastor who started it a number of years ago, Louis Giglio. And I have followed his ministry and been uh, very thankful in my own heart for what he has done and is doing. He's in his mid-60s now and going strong. But I want to share just a little bit of what he told these people. I mean, tens of thousands of people gathered in that stadium for one thing—to hear a message from God. We don't get that in the news today. We talk about the news, and I'm going to talk about a couple of issues in the news today in a few moments. But let me just share a, a part of what what our youth. I mean, we don't. We get the sense that everybody is leftist and everybody is not necessarily seeking God. I mean, they're seeking pleasure and they're seeking other things. We, we get a skewed version because the press is so disingenuous. I mean, they're so dishonest in the way they report. Everything is slanted in the press. Let me ju- just take a deep breath. Take a sip of coffee. I just did before I said good morning to you. And just relax. And let me tell you, this is what kids are traveling, some from other countries, but for the most part, They were from the United States. Tens of thousands in that big stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium there in Atlanta, Georgia. He tackled the common modern societal beliefs, entitlement, self-determination, personal rights. He contrasted them with the transformative message of the gospel. He delivered this message to these tens of thousands of people at this Passion 24. He said it's imperative, I think, that that's where we begin because of the conversation that we're having in the culture. He said, some of the key presuppositions right now in the world we live in are these. Number one, I have rights. Number two, I should get to decide. Number three, I know me best. Number four, I deserve more. Number five, I deserve to be happy. He said, but the gospel speaks to our presuppositions. The gospel actually flies in the face of all of them that we've just named. He said, because without Christ, we've got a problem. And it's a massive problem. Without Christ, we are separated from God. Giglio delved into the core of the gospel message. He said, God, in his mercy and love, made humanity alive with Christ, even when they were dead in their sins. He said, this grace changes everything, including presuppositions about life. He told this audience of these tens of thousands of kids, young adults, he told them to realize that in Christ, you don't have rights or the best judgment for yourself. You give those to Christ. Instead, he said, they have been given grace despite deserving wrath. He said, we have all sinned, come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. We deserve death, but God has given us life. He said, can you make it to a holy, holy, holy God? He said, religion tells you that you can, if you try hard enough, if you work hard enough, if you go through the motions hard enough. But a dead person can't do anything. So God steps into the equation because you weren't just dead, although that's a problem. You were, as Paul wrote, an object of God's wrath. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. He said, we want you to know in 2024 that is this the game plan for you going forward isn't trying to do your best to get to a holy God. It's not for you to go through some religious system to get to, the ho- to a holy God because you can't do that. It's not for you to feel the weight of getting from where you are to where God is. No, he said, but God, when you were dead, made us alive. He said, how? By bridging the gap through his son, Jesus Christ powerful message and these people were were there and they were they were there for the purpose of hearing the truth these kids giglio and his wife shelley they started this passion movement in 1995 they they said at the time they said they were starting this ministry with the purpose of calling students and leaders into campuses across the nation and cities around the world to live for what matters most the name of jesus christ this annual event is geared toward adults, as I said, 18 to 25, but there you know, obviously are people older and younger there, but the the whole event is geared toward 18 to 25-year-olds. There's a lot more, but I just wanted to share this with you this morning. In his message, Giglio also addressed guilt and shame and anxiety about the future and struggles increasingly common among young people. I mean, suicide rates are up. Younger people are very... Um, anxiety ridden I talk about that often on this program we we mention it because it's happening in our culture and we're seeing it before and then there's all of this nonsense this crazy insanity of transgenderism and all of this stuff going on and these kids are trying to navigate young adults trying to navigate through all of this it's tough it's really tough so he and his wife started this out, this, this ministry out back in 1995. In his message, he also included this guilt and shame and anxiety about the future and struggles that young people, young adults are having now. He explained how the cross of Christ offers a perspective that can dwarf these concerns. He encouraged the audience to trust in God's plan and in God's timing. He emphasized that the cross signifies a new identity and purpose for believers. That's what changes the world. That's the gospel. He said, he said, your Heavenly Father does not want you feeling any pressure right now about your life. He said, and if you're feeling pressure, it's not because of your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father wants you to get a hold of that, the magnitude of the cross of Jesus Christ and to understand in this moment that God's got it all under control. Can I underline that again? God's got it all under control. He said all you have to do is to be obedient today to what God is leading you to do. As I said, there's much more to his sermon. It was probably about, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, but that that's a, a, just a bit of what he was saying what he was talking about there. And I think we all need to hear that. At least I do. It's very, very encouraging to me to hear these kinds of things because we just, they're kept from us by a complicit press that has a very different agenda. But across this nation in in, in public universities, Auburn University, that revival I talked about, it was last before the holidays, before Thanksgiving, even in Christmas, it, it had started. And they were baptizing kids out there, several hundred of them, went the first night on the Auburn campus in that little lake that's on their campus. And that's still continuing. And it's happening in other where we've reported and then the world kind of moves on. But these these kids are still meeting and praying and going out and witnessing and feeling feeling called of God to do this in addition to their studies and some are athletes and in addition to their involvement in their sport and so on. God is moving in the hearts of lives and people in this country today. We just, we don't hear it or see it enough, but it's happening. There is a movement that is tremendous spiritually, biblically based, not some quasi cult type thing. It's it's God's spirit moving on people, adults as well in these settings. But most of it is based around this crowd of eighteen to twenty five, college age, high school through college age, and so on. So this is happening and God God will honor that. I I believe truly believe he will in the culture. But the primary focus is eternity. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to be God's agents in this world. We're told Jesus himself told us, don't put your light under a bushel, let it shine. We are to be that light in the world, to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. But in the bigger picture, we look at eternity as our ultimate home. And we are ultimately citizens of eternity with God. But we are called to be informed, engaged, discerning in this time that God has placed us on this earth. And that's why we do what we do each day on this program to inform people who are terribly misinformed sometimes about what's really happening in the culture. Not suggesting that I know everything that's going on in the culture, but I will tell you that we do our homework and we try to get it right every day. And we try to talk about the things that, again, are sometimes buried in the press that we don't talk about or know about in general. I want to thank all of you who support us. We wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. And so thank you for standing with me and with us and helping us to do what we do. Um, We need your support each month. We are fully, this ministry is fully supported by the contributions of the people who listen and believe in what we're doing. Thank you. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You've probably seen some of the pictures of thousands talking about tens of thousands of kids in the stadium listening to a message to go out and spread the gospel to the world. But you've probably also seen the uh, pictures of the tens of thousands of illegals that are marching across our border every, every, every week and month and year now. Rasmussen reported this yesterday. They said, as Congress and President Joe Biden worked to negotiate border security legislation, voters overwhelmingly view the situation at American southern border as an invasion. Yes, they use that word. I would be one of the nearly two-thirds of all voters in America who see it as an invasion. That's exactly the way I see it personally, and I think many of you do as well. I would be one of the nearly two-thirds of voters who see it as an invasion. Oh, I know these people are poor. I've worked in missionary work. I've been in their countries. I've been in their homes with them, their little dirt-floored shacks. I know. I'm not suggesting that we are to be compassionate, but we've gotten so screwed up in our thoughts, they've become anti-biblical, even in the church in some cases. And it's a problem, and we're seeing the results of non-biblical thinking in regards to borders and sovereignty of nations. And now it's really coming to bear on America because there are millions of undocumented illegal aliens in America, and some of them are here to do harm. That's the problem. This new national survey by Rasmussen Reports and National Pulse They found that 65% of likely U.S. voters believe it's accurate to describe the current situation with migrants at the border with Mexico as an invasion of the United States. 43% say that such a description is very accurate. 31% disagree. 15% they don't think it's accurate at all. They think we should have open borders apparently and forget about all this nonsense of trying to keep people out of America. Tens of thousands every day, millions among us, and we don't even know who they are. How can anyone believe that's God's will? God is a God of order. God is not the author of confusion. That's confusion personified. Rasmussen says House Speaker Mike Johnson led a group of Republican Congress members visiting the border in Texas last week. I talked about that, as you remember pressuring Biden and the Democrat-controlled Senate to agree to a new border security bill. 70% of the voters consider border security a vital national security interest for the United States. Because of this, President Biden is trying to pull a fast one. He isn't that speedy, but he's trying to pull a fast one on, on the United States, and there are people calling him out. You should be aware of this. 17% disagree, of course, with this whole idea of national security interest, and 13% say they're confused. They don't even know what they believe about it. But 72% believe the current situation at the U.S.-Mexican border is a crisis. Only 20% don't think so. They think it's fine. And the others, again, they don't know what they think. Apparently, the Biden administration is among the 20%. But Democrats and their media allies are pressuring Republican leaders to endorse this 15, uh, $14 billion slush fund that would hide President Biden's migration flood during the 2024 election campaign. So this year, it's not really about immigration reform. They use that word all the time. It's really about hiding what they're doing and funding it behind the curtain, so to speak. They ought to. They ought to give me the money, Biden said just on Friday. He said, I need to protect the border. He told this to reporters. He said, that's why they need to pass my emergency supplemental funding request. Well, the emergency supplemental funding request is the $14 billion, like a slush fund, so that he can pay people to keep this migration happening into America through other sources And he can look like he's not doing it and even pretend to be somehow trying to, he says he's going to build a little more wall and, you know, all of so on and so forth. Well, that's just a facade. It's to fool the American people going into an election later this year. What the White House is proposing is more money to process and allow more illegals into the country. Speaker of the House, Johnson. He was talking to Jake Tapper on on um, CNN, and he said, "What we need to do is the opposite of that." And he said, "The president is misleading the people. The funding fight is hidden from the public under the media's deceptive coverage of this Senate negotiations on border reforms and dramatic demands for aid to Ukraine and Israel and so on." I mean, it's all it, it, it's a it's a web of deception. Yes, certainly, I believe strongly we must stand with Israel, for sure, no question, that's biblical, but all of this is woven together into this this political ruse that is misleading so many people. Now these negotiations have stalled at the moment. You're going to be hearing about it. It'll be in the news today and tonight and, and so on. I mean, it's the cutting edge news right now because this is so dramatically destructive. What's happening on our southern border? Back in August, Breitbart News, I, I remember, de- detailed this funding request, which includes at least $5.3 billion to expand migration. Now they're denying that it will expand, but it will. They said Saturday, Breitbart said Saturday, in his first three years, Biden and his deputies have spent billions of Americans' taxes to import, not exclude, at least 6 million migrants into the United States. These funds and the requested authority to transfer yet more funds, they're intended to operate this network of, it's kind of a quasi-government, non-profit that help transport and shelter migrants into other cities around the nation, and so on. The government shouldn't even be involved in that kind of thing. The government should be involved in protecting the people of America. But over the last number of years, and perhaps Eisenhower and some of those people saw us moving in that direction in their time. But in the last few years, few decades... The government has assumed the role of the church in too many areas. They're not the church. They don't represent the church, and that isn't biblical. God has called the church to take care of the poor, the Christian, the believer. The government is not called to do that. It's very, very clear in Scripture. These funds, the the, the request that Biden has before Congress now He's asking for $800 million to operate, quote, safe mobility offices. What's a safe mobility office? Well, they're in Ecuador for the most part. He wants to open these offices in Ecuador and other countries that are intended to help more migrants reach the U.S. border. Again, it's a facade. It looks like one thing, but it's actually something very different. It is not trying to mitigate this flow of humanity unknown to our authorities across the border nobody knows who they are it looks like it's an attempt to mitigate that when in fact it's an attempt to expand that while saying that they're working on border control and so on safe mobility offices Jessica Vaughn, she's the founder of Immigration Accountability Project. They do a great job, by the way. She says the $14 billion bill is intended to quietly smuggle 2024 migrants through the country and to pay off corporations by Democrat-run cities. And if they'll cooperate, they'll get paid, and other corporations as well, if they'll cooperate with Biden in bringing in more illegal aliens. The request, they requested billions and that's not even enough to conceal Biden's migrant flood from Americans, she says. She says, um, this Jessica Vaughn, she says there's not enough money, even in the $14 billion, with the numbers that are coming over right now. She said people are seeing it and they're going to keep seeing it. They're going to see it in the schools. They're going to see it in their emergency rooms. They're going to see it in their housing costs. They're going to see it everywhere. The children are going to come home and talk about all the foreign languages being spoken. And if they're, you know, I'm quoting her, if they happen to live in a suburban neighborhood and the house next door is rented out to four different families who are living there at the same time, they're going to see that too. I think it's going to have a huge impact on suburban America, she said. The damage from Biden's migration is also being felt, she says, in small towns. And indeed it is. I've talked about that and named some of them here in the Northwest. The Washington Post has now joined the chorus and they're demanding that Republicans give the money to the president so he can fix the border problem. Those are their words. So they're complicit in misleading the country. Either they're uninformed, who knows? Or they're purposely misleading the country. But it's one or the other of that because what they're saying is not the truth. But fortunately... A number, not all, but a number of GOP leaders understand how Biden and his deputies will use the money. When we looked at this emergency supplemental, we found it continues to facilitate the mass migration that we see across the border. This was a post on social media by Senator Katie Britt. She's a Republican from Alabama. She's also said that in a couple of press conferences, she said. She said it was it was yet more of a magnet to draw more and more people here more than a fix on the border. A magnet is exactly what it is. Bill Haggerty, a Republican from Tennessee, is a senator. He said giving the Biden administration more money to fuel its disastrous open borders resettlement operation is insanity. He said it would worsen the border crisis, not stop it. Again, so true. The funding, uh, Representative Chip Roy, he's a Republican from Texas, he said the funding will offer zero actual border security while providing more money to process more people and continue to rack up mountains of debt. Speaker Johnson, talking to Jake Tapper (coughs) on CNN, he said, we're in serious, serious dire straits as a nation. We have to address those things seriously. I talked about last week. I talked about the biblical perspective on immigration, the stranger. I hope you heard that, and if you didn't, I would like to encourage you to go to our our website, faithandfreedom.us, and the last part, go to Fridays. You'll, you'll you'll see the articles that I write, the blogs. We publish one every day, every weekday. And you'll see those go back to last, I believe it was last Friday, and look at what we said there, because it's important that we know the biblical basis, because the the religious left, of which I would include our president, he claims to be devoutly religious and so on, the religious left is not interpreting Scripture for what it says. They're using Scripture for what they want it to say, particularly in regards to the stranger. Without borders, there's no order. There's no law. There's no justice. Without borders, God's promise to bless the nation whose God is the Lord would never occur because there wouldn't be a nation. God's plan of redemption revolves around nations, and in time, God will judge the nations. The Bible is very clear. God supports, God created the idea of nations, boundaries, and national sovereignty, and so on. In Acts, we're told that that is God's way of reaching people. Daniel 2 says he raises up leaders and nations and puts them down. God is very involved in this whole national idea, and yet the religious left try to criticize, they do criticize, and they kind of put down Christians who believe in in nationalism in the sense of it's part of God's plan, because they don't understand the Bible. It's very clear. If you have an open mind to God's word, the immigration controversy is not just political, it's a moral matter. The scripture passage most used to justify open borders is Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34, where God commanded Israel to welcome the stranger or the sojourner. But then when you look at the original language of what that stranger is, it's very different than what we see being foisted upon America today. It's not a lack of compassion. It's a lack of understanding God's way, God's plan, and God's word on these matters. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. I'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.